I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Okay, so, uh, how do I prep this? Well, we've already filmed slash, re- slash, recorded. Recorded. I'm just going to put a D on the end of everything. We've Taped. Al- we've already, <laughs> we already recorded our, um, our uh, Feel Good Friday episode a couple of days ago. And at that time, um, I was still waiting on Trikafta, but uh, I got the call from the pharmacy yesterday to pick up my Trikafta. Dude, I can see it. It's, it's fucking here. It's right there. I got a box of it right here. So I figured I, wow. now I, I got it last yesterday afternoon around like five, four o'clock. And they were like, you should wait till tomorrow morning to take the first dose. So it is tomorrow morning. Um, Your eyes okay? My buddy? eyes are still burning because I'm still waking. It's 930. I'm usually not even out of bed yet. <laughs> so don't, uh, don't tell people that. So, uh, <laughs> so I have it here, but here's, I, I just thought this was really funny. I opened it and I pulled out this like little pamphlet and I was like, what is this? Dude, it's a Dude, map. It's a, it's a treasure map. map. It's a goddamn Dude. map. Dude. Whoa, Dude. that's that's like, that's like comically long. That, like, uh, who is reading this? Are these symptoms in every language on earth? No, this is all English. <laughs> no, it's no, not. I'm joking. No, uh, the, this, this, Whoa, dude, they didn't even use the is, backside. This half is English. They only yeah. used one yeah, side yeah, of it. Yeah, you know, wonder it's so long. Well, you know, you know what? You know, you know, you know what they're care doing? about the planet. Yeah, they're going. They're going. We're saving lives, not trees. That's their slogan. <laughs> That's a blanket. That's a paper right? blanket. Did you guys know that? Their what? Their slogan is "Save lives, not trees." That's right. <laughs> That's a pretty good slogan. So, uh, so this is it. So I figured I would take the first dose on the podcast, and then we'll throw into the regular Feel Good Friday. It's crazy. It's so. Sur- this is so surreal. It's yeah. It's this is pretty wild. So I mean, it's, this is surreal for me. Like, how does it feel for you? Uh, it feels a little um, shake the box a little bit. Give us, give our, give our, give our audio. Yeah, listeners. just for the people that just listen, you can watch all this on YouTube if you want. Yeah, if you want to see Jeremy's life literally go in a different direction, go to YouTube. Whoa, dude! When you put it that <laughs> way, <laughs> Jesus. So uh, I have two morning pills and one evening pill. I'm gonna take these two morning pills first. <clears throat> I feel like an old man. I got this like day one, day two, day three, like Monday to Friday. You should get a yeah. You should, you should get, get a, a pill. Should get a, you should get yeah. a. You should get a I was like, box. what are you saying? You need. A, and then I understood what you're talking about. I also ordered McDonald's uh, to, to show up here in like five minutes because um, I got to take it with a fatty meal. Oh, I was gonna say because like treat, treat I was, yourself. Yeah, well, I'll let you do that, and then we can just sort of relish this moment for a so second. You take two. Are this you sure you're supposed to take two? Yep, dude. I didn't, here, you, let me. Did you read that? I, did you I did, read I the fucking re- pamphlet? I did read that giant tree. Of it a pamphlet. sounded like you oh. didn't. Wait, wait. No, I, I want to watch it. Yeah, now. hold on. So, yeah, hold on. 
Hold on. This is for my own personal it's collection. Be, it's being recorded right here. Yeah, I know, but 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 you know, it's not authentic <laughs> unless wait, you get it from wait, a phone. Wait, look into my camera. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. I'm recording hold already. No, 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 I'm not. Hold on. Daddy wants to get it on video. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I Come don't on now, kids. That made me not want to film it now. Okay. Okay, Daddy's recording. I've got the timestamp. Stop. Here Same it is. Daddy. Here we go. Oh my god. God. <laughs> Dude, Tricapt is going to love this. <laughs> you did it, dude. That's it. Guys, that drug is literally going to change my body. It is, yeah. Like, it's going to change, like, the chemical makeup of sort my of, body. I mean, I don't know exactly how it works, but... It's going to kind of do the opposite... Of what the McDonald's that you just ordered is going to yeah, do to yeah. you. Guys, 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 how me- how meta is this? <laughs> okay, stop, stop, dad. So meta. Wow. I'm pretty sure I was supposed to take two. <laughs> yeah, morning dose, take two orange tablets. So there we go. So now I'm expecting uh, the next few days to be um, coughing so hard that I'm puking out of my ass. We should have broken some of the pills up to and, and taken a look inside to see what's going on in there. Just a bunch of little people, like, just fucking Lemming, hammer. Lemmings? Like, and Everdale <laughs> characters just building, making wheat and bread. Oh, yeah, dude, I love Everdale. <laughs> That's the best. <laughs> oh, fuck. Did you guys just see what I pulled out of Rupert's mouth? I hope it wasn't a fucking oh, oh, one of those <laughs> pill leads. of trichafta. He's gonna they, they yeah. give you CF if you don't have it. All right, folks. Well, there we go. That <sighs> was uh, that was. Uh, I just wanted to record that, and so that we could have that. We wanted to share it with you. Yeah, we wanted to share it with you. We've been talking about it for a couple of years now, and and the, the the fact that it's here, the moment is here, is um, is really trippy, mm. and. Um, yeah, I can't believe I just took that pill. That's fucking wild. It is. Um, I don't feel any different yet, but I'll keep you guys posted. <laughs> yeah, fingers uh, crossed. It, it, yeah, fingers crossed. Um, <laughs> and uh, with that, we will throw you into uh, this week's Feel Good Friday. Um, again, when we recorded this, we didn't realize that I was going to be... We had an idea that I was going to be getting it this week, but we weren't quite sure. Um, so take that in mind as you as you listen to the first few moments of uh, this week's Feel Good Friday. Hope you enjoy, folks. Love y'all, and uh, see you on the other side. This is a really Feel Good Friday. Yes, it is. It truly is. So uh, here's an interesting thing. Uh, Got a bunch of phone calls late last week and early this week about Trikafta. Everything is all set to go. I'm now just waiting on the phone call from the pharmacy that the order's ready to be picked up. Wait, so when you get a bunch of phone calls, like what are they calling you to tell you? Sarah from the clinic called to tell me that um, that all the paperwork has been submitted to Village, which is the like the support program through Vertex. Yep. Village called me to basically tell me the same thing, and uh, and now. Now I'm just waiting for my pharmacy to call me. So as soon as they get it, I go get it. Wouldn't it be funny if you showed up at the pharmacy and you were like, hey, uh, Jeremy Saunders here to pick up my prescription. And they came back with it and they were like, 
<clears throat> okay, yeah, uh, James Song's going to pay. That's uh, three hundred thousand dollars. Three hundred thousand dollars, <laughs> and you're like, uh, sorry, um, nope, that should be covered. And they're like, hmm. Well, well, I'm like, hold on one second. Let me open up my Crypto.com app and uh, get real volatile for a second, and just cross my fingers, hope, hope for the best. <laughs> um, Can I buy that on margin? Yeah, uh, man, so, it, it reminds me of like uh, like the insurance, the way that insurance companies are like. Well, actually, technically, there was this rule where back in 2012, you said this thing that actually goes against our policies, and now you're no longer qualified. Actually, when that, I got the, when I got the call from Village, like I, they the were like, we have, we have some questions for you, and I was like. Oh God! Please don't ask me. Anything. Like I don't want to fuck this up. Do you have a sex podcast? Yeah, yeah. This ain't for you then. Um, but here's an interesting thing about, uh, and we don't have to touch on this for for long. And I actually wasn't going to bring this up on the podcast, but I think it's actually valuable because I was I was actually quite surprised. So last week, I made the decision, along with side my wife, um, to take thirty days off drinking. And the, the reason why I decided to, to do that, A, I've never taken time off drinking ever in my life, like purposely. Mm. There might have been like some days where I've gone, oh, I just like I haven't I haven't had a drink. But when when COVID hit, like when the lockdown started, a really great thing that the local breweries started doing in the area was they started doing home delivery, uh, which you which you couldn't do beforehand. Like that was a new thing that that, you know, Propeller and Good Robot and these places that I would frequent started in order to to stay afloat as do, a business. Do they have a buy now, pay later program? Uh, they did not, no. So I was buying now and paying now. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and I noticed pretty quickly how problematic that became for me because I was ordering in bulk. I was ordering like many tall cans at one time. And I might like before COVID, my drinking was... Um, you know, I wouldn't be drinking throughout the week. It would be more, more like a weekend kind of thing or like some, something's happening in the week that's like, you know, you go with a couple of friends and have a few beers or whatever. But it wasn't like a daily activity for me. <clears throat> but I would say out of the three of us, I was drinking more than you guys were on a, on a weekly basis before the pandemic. Yeah. But when the pandemic started, when the pandemic got like really pandy, and we were like wiping down like our groceries, the fucking Lysol sorry, and shit. So was that a way to describe how pandemic-y the pandemic had become? It was, yeah, it, got, Super it was very pandy, okay. you know? Okay. Um, and we were all pandy-capped at home. You know, we, we, we <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like we were yeah. all suffering from. I don't think you can say that. Sure we can. Sure we can. Yeah, we, we, all, we all had a pandy cap. Like we were, we were all affected by the, the pandy in that way. And so, uh, so when that happened. I started ordering, I started ordering a lot of alcohol and, and, uh, I started drinking every day and I started drinking a lot every day. And that went for like a, a period of months and, and I noticed it deep in and I went, okay, I, I think I need to cool it. So I pulled back a bit, but I didn't pull back fully. I pulled back to a point where I was still pretty much drinking every day. But on a daily basis, my my alcohol intake wasn't really that high. But if you looked at it from a little bit further away, from like a weekly vantage point, it's like, oh, that actually is kind of high. <laughs> so <laughs> hearing you say that, hearing like I pulled back, so I wasn't drinking as much. I was having less every day. Yes, it's like it's like no, no, no. when you put it that way, it's like almost like you're trying to convince us <laughs> that you were drinking less. But it's like, dude, you're still drinking. But I was. every day. Yes, 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 yes. I understand but that. Do it's, you understand it's much less saying? than you were? Much less than. 
you were my my yeah my yes, point. I understand my, your point. I understand my your point, point yeah. is I wasn't drinking that much daily, but I was drink <laughs> on a weekly from a weekly yes. perspective. I was drinking how much is not much d- daily? Like two to three beers in a day, and we all know tall, that like tall you, cans. Yeah, we all know that when you go to the doctor, the doctor doesn't ask you how many drinks you have per day. No, they don't. They ask you how many drinks you have per week. And in, so I'm glad you brought that up because. I went to clinic and that was a question that was brought up with my dietitian. And, I, and, and that was the first time where I went, Oh wow, I'm drinking a lot. And she was like, what's a lot? And I told her and she was like, yeah, that is, that is high. And she was like, are you, you know, is it, is it, are you noticing any negative effects? And truly I wasn't, I was like, no, like it's my, my mental health is great. Um, physically I don't feel I don't feel bad. Like I'm not waking up hungover every day. Like I, I feel okay, but clearly it's problematic that I'm drinking this much. Right. <laughs> so anyway, fast forward to like the last five months, still doing that, like pretty much daily drinking. Um, but not, not like to it, to an extensive amount that I'm like, I'm walking around drunk all the time. Um, then this Trikafta stuff started coming out. <coughs> and I thought, okay, maybe it would be a good idea for me to take some time off drinking in order to really pre- like presently feel the effects of this drug as they start to take place. So I said this to Bridie, and she was like, yeah, I'll take a month off drinking with you. And she, she does that every once in a while. So I was like, yeah, sure. And she was like, it'll be good. You can hold me accountable. I'll hold you accountable. And I didn't think much of it. I was like, okay, yeah, cool. Like 30 days, no drinking. That's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started last week. And let me tell you, full on, like legit alcohol withdrawal. And it was so hard. It was such a fucking brutal week. All weekend, like this past weekend, it was the worst weekend. I wasn't like trembling. It wasn't like, again, I'm not drinking that much that my body is going into like DT. But it's a consistent, the consistency. It's of the consistency it. of the drinking. And so I was so fucking depressed, so down. I was totally exhausted, like fully fucking next level exhausted. Just wanted to sleep constantly. Didn't want to like talk to anyone. Was super fucking irritable. And it really really surprised me mm. how hardcore it was when I'm, I'm curious though when you because when you say like thinking about getting trikafta and uh like thinking about taking the month off of drinking to see like to really fully feel the effects of this new drug like what effects do you feel drinking has had on your health Overall, just like even even if it's only like, you know, having a couple drinks every day, do you feel like because obviously there's like it seems like there's almost this like subconscious sort of like idea that like, oh, you know, taking this month off could help me feel these effects a little bit better. But also at the same time, you're sort of fighting with this idea. And I don't want to put words in your head, but maybe like fighting with this idea of like, oh, but alcohol isn't really negatively affecting me. So like, how do you yeah, balance those? Because I ideas? truly feel like it like I, I don't know. There's nothing that I notice that it is. Um, like a, a negatively affecting mm-hmm. 
but one of the things that I thought was like, well, I wonder if I stopped drinking, if I would, if I would have, if I would have more like energy between the times I wake up and go to bed mm-hmm. during the day, like energy to be more productive or what have you. Mm-hmm. But again, it's kind of like the sleep apnea thing where it's like, I know I have sleep apnea. I know that I'm probably not actually getting good sleep. Right. Yeah. But I can't tell that I, that I'm not. I feel like I'm getting great sleep. I sleep mm-hmm. like I, my eyes close and I'm out. And then I wake up and it's morning. And like mm-hmm. there's, no, there's no disruption to my sleep. And I don't feel exhausted throughout the day or anything. Like mm-hmm. there's the, so I'm like, well, fuck, I guess I got sleep apnea. But also who would, who? And, and then yeah. when I try the fucking sleep apnea machine for two months, I'm like, dude, I can't sleep. I'm not getting any sleep with this fucking machine. And in the days, I feel like shit because I'm just awake with a fucking CPAP machine blowing in my face all night. And so so I was like, fuck that machine. And I threw it away. And 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 look, I know that that's not the way to do it. But for me, quality of life is like is higher by not fucking by not fucking with it. And I felt the same way about the alcohol this past week where I I had a, a number of moments where I called up Brady and I was like, dude, this is awful. Like I'm way, I am way more able to tolerate life by just having a few beers every yeah. day. But, 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 you're, <laughs> but you're just in a, tra- you're in a transition. Exactly. Yeah. I'm in a transitional period. That, that transitional period never came with the sleep apnea machine after like two and a half, three months. And, and this is like, you know, we had this, we, we chatted about this yesterday and I likened it on the extreme end to... I mean, alcohol is an addictive substance. Yeah. That's, that's it. Yeah. And when you stop having it, when you're having it on a consistent basis, your body lets you know <laughs> that it was dependent on it. Yes. Fit, like, from, from, a, from a biological... Same point. as if you just start, stop drinking coffee yeah. today. Like you'll yeah. get headaches and blah, yeah. blah, blah, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever the symptoms are. And I, I very much likened it to when I, after my accident, when I stopped taking the right. Dilaudid, it was like, you know, I went through a, I went through a 24 hour hell of withdrawal symptoms from the Dilaudid. Yeah. And, and it wasn't like when I was taking the Dilaudid, I wasn't going every time I take the Dilaudid, I'm like, this is incredible. Like I never had that feeling. Mm -hmm. But when I was going through the withdrawal, the desire to take the Dilaudid was because the Dilaudid will make this feeling stop. Yeah. And and I think that's really that what you're sensing there is you're is yes, 100%. In, in the transition you're going, well, if I just have the if I just like have a drink, then and I won't feel like shit. And this won't I won't feel yeah. like shit anymore. But knowing that and 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 you know, full everything on the table, radical honesty, I've also I I I've honestly never seen a ne- a real negative impact from you drinking. But I've I've But I've you never, also see how much I, I'm drinking. I see how much you're drinking. Yeah. And Brian and I have talked about it. I'm drinking a fucking non-alcoholic beer right now. I, I feel like I was going to say exactly what you're about to say and, to, and, and in so the same, same way that I also agree. I haven't seen negative effects of it. However, it does concern me yeah. knowing how much you drink. It's been on my right. radar as like a, if this were to go in the Southern direction, then like I would want have to, to say have something. a conversation yeah. with you. Yeah. And and so I'm curious to know, I guess, uh, briefly before I ask this question, 
are do you are you on the other side of that transition? Yeah. So today, as we're recording this, it's been a week, and yesterday I felt I felt pretty good. Today I feel great. Yeah. yeah. So so that that's like kind of coming. I'm out of yeah. I'm out of the I'm out of the uh, holy shit. What the fuck am I doing? Yeah. Like, let's just crack a a, a pilsner real quick. So I mean, this is how <laughs> this is how my brain will work, and I'm wondering if it, I'm wondering if you feel the same. That whenever I see that I have. Whenever I have something like that that shows me that I'm feeling a certain way mm. um, towards a thing and that I want it or that I need it, like it, it really pushes, it pushes me away from that thing because I, I go, oh, like I don't, I don't want to be, I don't want to be um, adherent or tied to something. I'm wondering if having gone through that and noticing that your body reacts to you taking something away from it. Do you feel like after this month of of drinking, then you will, you will approach how you consume alcohol differently, knowing that the way that you were consuming alcohol created at least a physical, a fit like physical symptoms of. Mm. I don't know. My guess is my my initial guess is probably because. The reason why I got to this point in the first place is a big part of that was the pandemic. Mm-hmm. A big part yeah. of that daily like intake, constant intake was being locked down alone in my house with Bigby. And I guarantee that and like, not I'm not in that like, now. People listening to this, there are, I'm sure that there are many people that are relating. Oh, for sure. It's like a yeah. fuckload of people that are for relating sure. to this like increase alcohol consumption yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah i think there's moments in our lives where the, like i think of when i lived with um chelsea and chris and Haley, like i was drinking yeah so was substantially I. more than i do now yeah. mm-hmm. just because of the environment i was in um but like i also yeah i understand that like the environment that we've all gone through is more conducive to bad habits yeah. like that yeah so so to 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 answer your question i don't i i i don't know i actually don't know but because I'm not in a position where it's highly likely that I'm going to like need that outlet and I get to the end of this 30 days and go, actually, I feel great. I, I can imagine that I'm not going to just like pick it back up the exact same way that I did before because there's not a, that need that like need that, that void to be filled of like not feeling like shit Mm -hmm. and B Well, that's it. Like, that's the one thing. If I don't have, if that's not there, then I won't, then it's, it's, it's more unlikely that I'll develop that like constant Mm. practice of just taking an alcohol. Mm. So for me, but, but let me just be very clear. As soon as it's go time, I'm going to be like, I'm not, not going to be drinking again as like just, you know, December 23rd. I can't wait. I'm going to, it's going to be so nice to have a beer, but it will likely the my habit will likely change. Well, set like set anything. I I I mean I think about this for pretty much for pretty much everything, but especially for anything that has an addictive property. Like I, I think, uh, I think heavily about and my experience with it. This comes from this comes from the experience of uh, being addicted to smoking Doha. Mm-hmm. Back you know, whenever I was in my early twenties, can you explain Doha for people who've never Do- heard of that? Doha is like a Doha is like a like Middle a, Eastern tobacco. A Middle Eastern tobacco that's like a 
like a it's like a, a there's a high nicotine content in it and, and it's like you smoke really small portions of it but like it's it's really addictive mm-hmm. and, and a I, really sketchy pipe and and i uh and and i i kicked that habit and i and that was the thing that that sent me into a, a way of thinking about anything that's addictive of going if i'm going to enjoy because things that are addictive are they're addictive because they're enjoyable they have an yeah. they, mm-hmm. there's an enjoyable factor to them and there's something about it that you enjoy whether it's like this well, you know, when it's tobacco, it's or, or drinking. And there's like there's social aspects to it. There's you know, um, you know, feelings that come along, highs or whatever. And when and and when you when you over partake in something that is that is addictive, it you, you know you it, you get to a point of diminishing returns where you where you are having too much of it, where the thing that you actually enjoy about it kind of ceases to really exist um and uh and you don't feel those things anymore and really it's just the it's the it's the addictive property of wanting it that takes over and then it also and then when you can't keep that in check then it's then it's a a fine it can be a financial Mm -hmm. drain oh that was the that was the other thing that i noticed that i was like yeah, was that say. made me want to stop was the financial thing. Yeah. And so and especially so, now wanting to put your money into crypto. Right. Yeah. And so yeah. setting so setting going to the moon, you anything know that anything that you choose to do that is has an addictive property to it, doing it mindfully and going, I'm going to set parameters and I'm going to be strict with those parameters. Like I'm going to say that if I do this, I only do this X amount X day or days of the week. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I, and I don't deviate from that and it doesn't necessarily have to be a certain day of the week or whatever, but it's like, like you allot yourself a quota that doesn't allow you to get to that place of, of that. If you take it, that mm-hmm. if you could, couldn't have it or didn't have it, that it's going to cause you problems. And then, I mean, this is just my process for it. I just, I set processes and I try to stick to them. Putting I think some parameters in place. I think it's also important to think about like, like what, like what, is what could that um, thing that you're addicted to potentially be masking in terms of like your emotions or what you're feeling? Like, like Jerry, you talked about how when the pandemic sort of ramped up, it's, it's, it's nice to have this like coping mechanism that sort of takes the edge off of like how shitty, you know, the experience of, of life and living can be in. And, it's easy to understand how that can be addictive when you're like, Oh fuck, like man, life's fucking hard. And like, and, and having a couple drinks makes it more bearable. But like then, you know, when the pandemic starts to die down and you know, you set this goal of not drinking for 30 days and you start to realize like, Oh fuck, like, like having a couple drinks makes life more bearable. Then it's like, Oh, well what else, like what do you need to process emotionally or mentally that like, you know, that you're using alcohol as something to cope with. I like, I think about me with Doha, for example, like when I smoke Doha, it is like a, it reduces stress. It's like, it's just like sort of like calming experience of just sitting and smoking something and like having a cup of coffee and sitting and almost like meditating. I'm like, Oh, this is really healthy for me to do. But actually it's not because it's fucking bad for my lungs and bad for my health. But if I start relying on that as like a tool to help me deal and process with the shittiness 
of like the experience of life or the stress that I'm going through. It becomes the way that you deal with it. Yes. And then you're no longer <clears throat> actually working through the shit that's causing you that stress or those emotions that you're dealing with. You're actually just using that thing to cover it up. Yeah. And then it could, and like Taylor said, like I have, I haven't seen the negative I side honestly, of your I, drinking, I, but, I mean, but it's I, like, I yeah. maybe, maybe talking with a therapist about this would like uncover something that I'm not really paying attention to, but it, Mm. I don't think that it was like a coping mechanism, at least like, you know, the last like year. Mm. I don't think it's been a coping mechanism for something that I'm not facing. Yeah. Rather, it's just an addiction. Yeah. It's just a, this makes me feel good. Mm. And I like that. Yeah. And that's it. It was just like, because that was the thing that I noticed. But I guess going, when I stopped, I went, you know, I was, I, so I went to a, I went to a concert the other night. I went to go see, I went to a fundraiser. It was a Fleetwood Mac cover band and they do this show. Once every year, they've done it for ten years. They're fucking amazing. There were seven hundred and something people in the marquee. Mm-hmm. It was fucking packed. Everyone was having the best time of their life. And I was drinking an air dinger. And I remember standing there going, This is a really great show. And I really am enjoying myself here. But damn. I'd be enjoying myself a whole lot better if this air dinger was a fucking propeller ESB. Or horsepower, you know, like, like that. It, yeah. well, like, I was like, I don't want to talk. Like, I don't, don't want to talk to people. Like, the the social lubricant was was gone. Like, that's the thing that I that I went back to the alcohol for. Just, just the, just because it felt good. Like it it yeah. it wasn't. And again, maybe I'm naive, but I but I real like I've thought about this, and I I really don't think that there was some underlying thing that I was trying to like suppress, but. Yeah, I, I think of that, and I so a question I would have for you is like is like looking back on this the the past couple of years and like knowing where you're, you're going after these thirty days is do you do you want to not go back to drinking every day or do you like knowing that it it could just be an addiction too like do you, would you like to not go back to drinking every day or do you see that as like I don't have a I don't have a want to not go back to that. Mm. Like there's not a part of me that's like, well, geez, when this is over, I hope I don't start doing that again. Mm. But I also don't I, I there's also not a part of me that's like, man, when this is over, like I'm I'm I can't wait to start yeah. drinking every day again. You know, like <laughs> I, I just I think there's I like know. there's the, yeah. the, the 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 challenging thing with what <coughs> with your with your uh with the habit that you had for it, which is distinctly different from when I, when I stopped drinking, like I, like I used to, it was very different. I didn't, I never drank during the week. If I did, you know, one beer here and there. Uh, but it was like, it was heavy drinking on the weekend, yeah. Friday and Saturday. Yeah. And like, like drunk, drunk Friday, Saturday. And that was, a that was the habit. It was, it was Friday, Saturday. This is like, these are two days to get fucking drunk. Yeah. And, and I've never even really had that. Like yeah. that, that's just, that's also just not really me. Yeah. You know, like, and so those are, this is different, but the thing that, the thing that I, the thing that yeah, helped you've me. You've never really been as drunk as Taylor used to get drunk. Actually, like, actually, no. Yeah, <laughs> I actually, like, straight I mean, up no. I mean that because it's yeah, a I don't high think you've bar. Ever seen it. It's a fucking yeah. high bar yeah. that and, Taylor said. And which is like, which yeah. is, and which is a big reason why I don't go there. Anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And I thing. consciously don't go there anymore. But what, yeah. what, what yeah. was really helpful for, for me, and again, like, I think it's good that we're talking about this and that we've all had different relationships with alcohol mm-hmm. and like, and what you are doing right now and how you're reflecting on this is really 
is really just you're like, we've all had this reflection in, a, in relation to our own experiences. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was, it was getting drunk Friday, Saturday, like really drunk. And, and then when I picked up riding my bike, it was like, Oh, you know, I can ride my bike during the week, but I'm f- on Saturday and Sunday. Those are the days where I can like really go out and ride my bike. Cause I can go long distances. I don't have, I don't have nearly as much shit to take care of. I don't have as much responsibility so I can go out and I can ride my bike for a hundred kilometers and go out for three or four hours. And it was like, well, if I go out and drink, I cannot do that. Like, yeah. That is not going to happen. Yeah. And, and, and the, the desire to ride my bike on the weekend really started to outweigh the desire to drink. And then that, that was like, not that I wouldn't have stopped drinking without the biking like that on the weekend, but that was like, that, that was a reason for me to like do it faster and like, and and what really made me want to do that. And I don't know. And I I don't really know what I'm saying here other than to say that that was something that helped me. I don't know Mm -hmm. if that's something like, I don't, I don't really think that that is super relevant to you since you're not getting wasted. You're just drinking a little every day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Also you have the ability, like when we would go supping in in the mornings, um, I remember a couple of nights where you're like, I'd probably have one more beer, but I'm not going to, because I'm going to get up early. So, yeah. So like making that responsible decision, that's not like a, I mean, when I got into, when I got into F1, (laughs) I was like Saturday night, I don't want to drink too much because the race starts at yeah. 8 a.m. tomorrow and I want to watch that. You know, bike like, ra- bike literally racing was like, like that for me too. Yeah, it's fucking yeah. like six, yeah, Tour de France yeah. starts at 6.37 in the morning and I'm going to wake up and watch it so I can't be fucking yeah. drunk. Uh, Jerry, I wanted to, like moving on from this uh, a bit, but coming back to Trikafta, I, w- I wanted to ask you because obviously the last time we had a conversation about Trikafta was a pretty emotional one. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, how, how have you been doing with the sort of mental health side of things. Yeah, good. I mean, I talked to my therapist about that. Um, and yeah, I feel, I feel good. Like I'm, Mm. I'm excited to take it. I'm, I'm, I'm more than anything. I'm just curious. Mm. I'm just curious about what it's going to be like, what, how I'll feel again. There's so much unknown that I'm like, I don't fucking know. Like, I don't know what, like in six months, what am I going to feel like? I don't know. Are you nervous about this, this first month? Because it's supposed to be like quite the purge. Yeah. Not so much nervous, but I am taking like, I am taking precautions. This, this drinking thing is a part of that. Mm. Um, and I'm, I'm getting like body work done. You know, Bridie's in massage school right now. So I'm getting her to like give me a massage and stuff like that. Because one of the things that I struggle with when I have, when my cough, um, when my cough is increased is that I tend to throw my back out Mm. and that is like the worst. Like I like throwing my back out is worse than having CF sometimes. Like it's, Mm. it's so highly frustrating. It might be the last one. It might be the last one. So that's the thing is, is, and for people that don't know this, some people, when they get on Trikafta, the first three days to like two months you go through this like crazy purge of like coughing up mucus because it's a it's the mucus that you haven't been able to break down that's just been i suppose yeah i suppose so it's like all the mucus that's like that's just like clinging to the 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 what are they called the the cilia cilia Cilia? and and that cilia is going to like be able to actually work the way that it couldn't. So no, I'm, I'm guessing that's how they, that's where this purge comes from. So, so crazy. So I'm anticipating a lot of coughing mm-hmm. as soon as I start the drug. And I'm not so much looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping it won't be too bad, but I've heard it. I mean, there's been 
I've heard some stories of it being really bad for some folks. Um, one in particular, someone who had like a 30% lung function, they got on it and they were do they were coughing like this for like eight weeks. And at the eight week mark, they called the clinic and they were like, I honestly don't know if I even want to continue taking this drug. Whoa. Like that's how hard it is. Whoa. And then two days later, it just stopped. Whoa. And they were like, I feel, I'm amazed. I feel great. Yeah, it's like so, diarrhea for your lungs. Yeah. Yeah. It's like lung diarrhea. Yeah, it's just like having eight weeks of diarrhea. You're like, fuck this. This ain't worth it. You know? Yeah. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Rupert had uh, diarrhea for a pretty long time. I was feeling pretty bad. He was probably feeling really shitty about it. He yeah, probably he just didn't want it. He probably wanted to give up. Yeah. You know? Didn't though. Are you tired of hearing the same old wellness advice? It's time to dig deeper and listen to America Dissected from Crooked Media, the podcast that's cutting into the science, culture, and policy that shapes our health. From doctors fighting for their rights to the surprising truths about sunscreen, America Dissected dives deep into the state of health. Tune in every Tuesday for new episodes of America Dissected, available on all major podcast platforms. Um, speaking of life-changing medication and Vertex, here's a little interesting piece from the New York Times. There is a potential cure for diabetes one Whoa. out there. Crazy, right? It's not confirmed yet, and there's still some years to go in terms of research. But uh, this guy, Brian Shelton, he had type 1 diabetes, or has, I guess. Maybe had, I don't know. Um, and it's totally like ruled his life. So uh, when his blood sugar would plummet, he would lose consciousness without warning. One time he crashed his motorcycle into a wall. Whoa. He passed out on a customer's yard while delivering mail. And following that episode, his supervisor told him that he should retire. Crazy um, thing is he wasn't even a mailman. Like the type one diabetes was so bad. It yeah. made he him was, think he had to be a mailman. Yeah, he yeah. was just delivering mail from one neighbor's yeah. mailbox. To he was actually mail. a car mechanic and he just went to the post office, picked up packages and started delivering them. That's when he passed out. No, he, he worked for a quarter of a century at the post office and he was 57. So he retired after that. Um, his ex-wife, Cindy Shelton, took him into her home in Ohio and divorced him because of it uh, and said, quote, I was afraid to leave him alone all day. Like that's how bad it was. But earlier this year, uh, she spotted a call for people with type one diabetes to participate in a clinical trial by Vertex Pharmaceuticals, same people that made the, uh, the Tricapta and who sponsored this podcast. Uh, no, no, that's not, <laughs> that's not true. Not yet. Don't say that. Don't say that unless we're getting paid. Uh, <laughs> the company was testing a treatment developed over decades by a scientist who vowed to find a cure after his baby son and his teenage daughter got the devastating disease. So Mr. Shelton was the first patient on this trial. And on June 29th, he got an infusion of cells grown from stem cells but just like the insulin-producing pancreas cells, his body lacked. Now, his body automatically controls its insulin and blood sugar levels. So he got this infusion, and now his body just does what it's supposed to do. Whoa. Mr. Shelton is now 64, and he may be the first person cured of type 1 diabetes with a new treatment that has experts daring to hope that, uh, that help may be coming for many of the 1.5 million Americans that suffer from type 1. That's crazy, Whoa. right? And and. Type 1 is far less common than type 2, I believe, I think. 
We should know this because we've talked about it at length. I mean, look, I mean, you can Goog that pretty quick. Um, I, I believe type two because type two, and I think that there's a, <coughs> there's a stigma around type two diabetes that like it's fully brought on by your own life choices. Yeah. And, and to a certain degree, there obviously are life choices that you can make dietary choices that you can make that can yeah. lead, lead to a higher type uh, one cannot be prevented or cured type two can be prevented through lifestyle modifications type one the body does not create enough insulin type two the body does not create enough insulin or develops insulin resistance type one uh, causes are unknown but genetics may play a role whereas type two causes include genetics aging inactivity obesity and more right so there's like so there's a there's a preventative nature to type two that does yeah. not exist. It's not like, it's not, ex- yeah. I think the stigma is that it's like exclusively like, you know, if you get it, then like that's your fault, your fault which isn't, yeah. which isn't the case, the case. Yeah. Um, and, or, or not the case for everybody, I should say. Um, and, uh, and I, I wonder if, I mean, it sounds obviously from this guy's case, I just skimmed through the article. It sounds like that this guy is on the extremely positive end of what's going on with this thing. Yeah, so so diabetes experts were, I mean, obviously astonished, but they are urging caution. So the study is continuing and will take place over five years, which involves 17 people with severe cases of type 1. Um, and this is, again, just for clarity, is is not intended for people with type 2, which, right. which you said is more common. Uh, quote, We've been looking for something like this to happen literally for decades, said Dr. Arl Hirsch, a diabetes expert at the University of Washington, who was not involved with the research. He wants to see the result, not yet published in a peer-reviewed journal, replicated in many more people. He also wants to know if there will be unanticipated adverse effects and if the cells will last for a lifetime or if the treatment would have to be repeated. But he said, bottom line, this is an amazing result. Mm. And all of this, like I had said earlier, this all started um, with this 30-year quest of a Harvard University biologist named Doug Melton. Uh, Dr. Melton had never thought much about diabetes until 1991 when his six-month-old boy, Sam, began shaking, vomiting, and panting. Fuck. Quote, he was so sick and the pediatrician didn't know what it was, Dr. Melton said. He and his wife, Gail... Gail O'Keefe rushed their baby to Boston Children's Hospital. Sam's urine was brimming with sugar, which was obviously a sign of diabetes. And for people who aren't familiar, patients, I mean, diabetes is brutal. Like people with Mm -hmm. diabetes are at risk of going blind. Um, It's the leading cause of blindness in America. Wow. It's also the leading cause of kidney failure. Um, People with type 1 diabetes are, are at risk of having their legs amputated. And, of course, of death in the night because their blood sugars can plummet during their sleep. Um, and diabetes greatly increases their likelihood of having a heart attack or a stroke. Uh, it also weakens the immune system. One of Dr. Butler's fully vaccinated diabetes patients recently died of COVID-19. Yeah, COVID's been pretty, uh, pretty hardcore with uh, diabetes. And then on yeah, top people. of that, adding to the burden of the disease, insulin costs are super high. And not covered, right? Mm-hmm. So if you have diabetes and you need to US. pay for your own insulin. Yeah, that's crazy. I don't think insulin's covered here either. Oh, wow, really? I don't think so. They just Letters at sickboypodcast.com if you know. But I'm... It was a Canadian Canadian doc who discovered insulin, right? Yeah, yeah. I think that was a heritage mo- 
moment, wasn't it? Yeah, I that was the one was. where he's like, I need these baskets back. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. That was that he one. was dribble the ball, dribble yeah. it. It was crazy how how they like how the overlap of ba- the basketball and yeah. insulin. Well, it's more All so out of the fact that yeah. they were like, it, like you know, like most uh, research docs do. They just take, they take oftentimes take a long break during the day to play right. sports yep. because right. it helps. You know, it, it has something to do with endorphins or something that like helps them solve complex problems. Yeah. So that's what they were doing. They were solving the insulin problem. Yeah, they're right. they're discovering it. Yeah. So uh, there there has been a cure that's worked for diabetes, which is a pancreas transplant. Oh, whoa, really? Or a transplant of the insulin-producing cell clusters of the pancreas, known as islet cells uh, from, an o- from an organ donor's pancreas. But a shortage of organs makes an approach makes that approach a, a, a complete impossibility for the vast ma- majority of the, the disease. So I wonder if, um, I wonder, it, you know, if this turns out to be, if this turns out to be something that they're like, Hey, we can, we can cure, you know, five years from now, they go, we can cure type one diabetes. And now like people with type one diabetes in countries that cover and it's accessible to people that they can, you know, basically eradicate type one diabetes. I wonder if it will be similar to the way that, um, and again, I don't know enough about the similarities between type one and type two, but but I'm wondering if it'll be similar to, like the the um, what uh, fuck what was the name of the drug called the first CF one? Yeah, um, or Cambi or um, not the, Orcambi, the other one, Kalydeco. Kalydeco. I wonder if I wonder if it's like because I remember when Kalydeco came out and it was for that like that that small subset of people with uh, CF, like that rarer rarer mutation of CF, where they were saying. This is only for this like five percent of people that are yeah. born with CF. It will treat these people, but it gives us the insight into how to develop a drug yeah. that will help that will target the more common type. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe I, time will tell. I guess it's but like it's, the Tesla model. You know, like focus on the exclusive version first, the Model S. That you know is more expensive. Not everyone's gonna yeah. less people will buy, but that will help fund the development of the uh, right more common. Person's exactly uh, vehicle. Like Tesla. Yes. Yeah. Yes. The, the, the Tesla the, approach. The, the, the far too uncommon Tesla approach <laughs> to drug making. Yeah. Uh, here's a crazy story. This was sent to me by uh, one of our patrons, Sadie. Uh, man, this Sadie. story is fucked. Catherine McGuigan. 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 It, it is McGuigan. It's McGuigan. Yeah, McGuigan. We grew up with somebody whose last name was McGuigan. Catherine McGuigan, who worked at Murray Veterinary Services in Coolup, Australia, was sacked after being found guilty of unprofessional conduct for illegally administering drugs only intended for animals to humans. As a result, she's been... Uh, ivermectin? Uh, no, no. A drug that's a little more fun than ivermectin. Also meant for horses. Uh, As a result, she's been stuck with yes, horse tranquilizer, ketamine. Uh, As a result, she's been stuck, uh, struck. Wait, who was she injecting? uh, Herself, her friends, people at a rave. Herself. As a result, she's been struck off the register of veterinary surgeons in Western Australia and handed a one thousand dollar fine. Oh, that seems a little. That seems, I don't know, not steep enough. I mean, well, well, really, not steep enough. I don't know. I mean, she lose her career. She's she lost taken, her career. Like, yeah, yeah, why yeah, tag the thousand yeah, dollars fine on there? I suppose. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, the money thing at the end of the day, it's like, 
Yeah, I not really the big. The, the big find is that she yeah. can't. No make one died. Money. Yeah, you know. No, yeah, you're right. So they were yeah. they were just having a good time. Yeah, you're right. So I, I could change my mind. I could change my mind. McGuigan gave the horse tranquilizer, better known as ketamine, to an anonymous couple with whom she socialized regularly and from time to time took trips away together, during which they used illicit drugs, hmm. including ecstasy and cocaine for recreational purposes. Sounds like it sounds like there's a lot of sex. Y'all heard of y'all heard <laughs> of, sounds like there's I was gonna say, going y'all, on y'all heard of vet life? For people for people <laughs> not watching on YouTube, uh, you were doing lots of air quotes there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So. Uh, during a night of party, McGuigan took a 100 milliliter bottle of ketamine from her car for herself and her friends with the couple uh, with the couple asked to keep the drug usage secret as it would threaten McGuigan's job if anyone found out. However, a month later, McGuigan was found to have injected the same woman with 20 milliliters of diazepam, another drug that is commonly used as a muscle relaxer, in order to help her sleep, with the woman allegedly swallowing it at uh, straight out of the syringe. They, man, these, <laughs> these people know how to party. <laughs> you know what? I, it, the $1,000 fine suddenly makes sense. They were just finding her how much she how much probably she charged yeah, totally. the yeah. other people for the yeah. drugs. Uh, a tribunal ruled that her actions would reasonably be regarded as d- disgraceful or dishonorable by registered veterinary surgeons of good repute and competency. McGuigan took full responsibility and admitted fault to her actions and uh, probably will be taking a little break from <laughs> hardcore rave I just don't understand how the brain chemistry of people that make decisions like this like i just don't get it i i do oh i get it for sure what do you mean you get it i totally get get it it. yeah you're you're partying with friends and and everyone's like man it'd be so great if we get some ketamine and you're like i know exactly where i can get i have that at work i use it literally every day i know but (laughs) taylor taylor you 100 understand because it's the same way when we worked at a local halifax club here private club and we used to (laughs) Invite our friends over to that establishment. Yeah. Yeah. Drink same in the back shit. before we went to the bar. Exact yeah. same for shit. free. But we weren't a part of like a a a, a, a regulated industry of of but of it's the catering same, servers. It's the same thing. It's the same mindset though. <laughs> yeah. It's just you know we matured and made the smarter decisions. Or you know perhaps perhaps you, we're just not. You would have been fired just as easily. Yeah. You're right. You know, but this person. Had more to lose. Was not did have more to lose. This person, was, this person yeah. was not 19 years old. No. But it's the same mindset. It's the exact Actually, we don't know how old this person is. Well, she's not 19. There's, there's uh, honestly, she looks young. it's because, like, think about woman. it though. Think about it though, because you would have made that same decision to do that thing that we did when we were 19, probably at 24. Uh, no, no, I wouldn't. 23. Have. And if there I had, be a, there's like very fine line somewhere and you know in the middle what, and there. And you know what I wouldn't have done? You know what? You know, in the, the I would not have made those choices at said private club if I had <laughs> if I had previously made a life commitment to catering. Let me put let, let me let me throw this out there. Let me if throw I had, this out if there. If I had said Actually, I want my career to be catering, Actually, I would not have made those. If you were smart enough to make that decision to make your career catering. <laughs> You might also be smart enough to make that <laughs> hey, decision. Hey, whoa, dude! We love our caterers. <laughs> I'm not. I'm right? not saying. I'm just saying. We've got lots of caterer <laughs> listeners. And we hey, love you. We love you. There's nothing work. wrong with I'm catering. A caterer. It's just at that establishment. Let, let me. Let me also throw this out there. Um, to her defense, you know, and to and to this whole group of friends' defense, they're also getting a drug that they know exactly where it's coming from. 
They know it's going to be sure. safe. They know that it's not going to be laced with fentanyl. You know, sure. like so. You know, in this in this mode of partying, finding a resource to get a drug where people all rap people. I mean, I don't know what the deal is in Australia, but I can't imagine it's any fucking different than any other Commonwealth country that's struggling with fentanyl overdoses. Mm. You know, you find an a, a, an outlet to get the drug that you're looking for that you know isn't going to kill you. We don't need that logical harm reduction speak here. <laughs> you know, what? I just I just want to say I, uh, you know, I, I may have just added myself as somebody who previously used to, you know, maybe invite friends over and some people could could see it or say, call it maybe stealing from the establishment that I worked for. But if I ever this is uh, my asterisk on this part of the conversation in case I ever decide to run for public office in the future. <laughs> Fucking Which good luck. This will never happen because yeah, of this podcast. That ever because uh, I just want to say, listen, I've learned, is insane. I've learned from those mistakes, and uh, <laughs> I, I truly feel like I can pro- adequately represent the people and do my job and, and serve the public. You'd make a, a great a prime minister, Bray. Way to hedge that. Um, <laughs> here's a really uh, some COVID news. This is this is old news. This is like September news, um, and so I'm I mean, I'm curious to like what the newest um, the newest uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Variant? Uh, no, no. Like, yeah, the, yeah, the latest, um, update updates on, on what, what's happening here. Cause it, it's, it's pretty cool. Uh, this is also from, uh, uh, one of our patrons, Stina, who, who added this to our, uh, feel good Friday discord channel where we have our patrons basically working as producers for us. It's uh, pretty cool. Like you can providing you, us with amazing content. You could, you could subscribe to our Patreon, be a patron and literally help, be a part of the show. show. Stina, thank you for sending this our way. Nasal spray treatment for COVID-19 in the works thanks to a llama named Fifi. Oh. Nice, speaking of nasal sprays, that's a really nice segue from the ketamine. From the ketamine, I know. Yeah. Uh, scientists in the UK are developing a potentially significant treatment for COVID-19 that could be administered to patients in the form of nasal spray thanks to the tiny antibodies produced by a llama. According to research from the Rosalind Franklin Institute, which was recently published in the journal Nature Communications, the treatment has the potential to prevent and treat COVID-19. Quote, while vaccinations have proved extraordinarily successful, not everyone responds to vaccination and immunity can wane in individuals at different times. Uh, James Naismith, director of the Rosalind Franklin Institute, was quoted saying. I think it's Namath, maybe, but I'm not 100% sure. N-A-I-S-M-I-T-H. Namath, Naismith. Uh, quote, having medications that can treat the virus is still going to be very important, particularly as not all of the world is being vaccinated at the same speed, and there remains a, a, a risk of new variants capable of bypassing vaccine immunity emerging, emerging like we're seeing right now, with the worries of uh, Omicron. That was called Omicron, mm-hmm. not the crypto uh, ship coin, but the yeah. the actual yeah, the, the, the <laughs> COVID variant. <clears throat> to develop the treatment, this is so fucking cool. To develop the treatment, researchers injected a llama named Fifi Aww. with a tiny, non-infectious piece of purified spike protein from the SARS-CoV-2 virus. Uh, the scientists chose a llama specifically because of the species' unique ability to produce tiny single domain antibodies, also known as nanobodies, in response to an infection. Other camelids, including alpacas and camels, and even sharks can produce these nanobodies. So due to their small size, these nanobodies are able to bind more tightly to the SARS-CoV-2 virus than larger antibodies produced by humans. 
And once the nanobodies have latched onto the invading virus, the body's immune system flags it for destruction. So uh, there's, a, there's a little infographic here where you can see they take a drip of, of llama blood. How cute are llamas? They're fucking so cute. Uh, the blood contains many different antibodies. The research team identify a few um, of interest which show weak binding to the virus. And then they take it, they put it in a little cup. And then you can see uh, there's the little tiny like binding nanobodies that uh, twist up and latch onto the Science, folks. It's fucking science. Um, <clears throat> and did it say anything about like using that, doing like using microchips in with that too? No, this is different. But I mean, I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure you could squeeze some sort of crossover. <laughs> Stephen Kerfoot, an associate professor of microbiology and immuno- immunology at Western University in London, Ontario, might be worth reaching out to him, who was not involved in the research, said the big advantage to these smaller nanobodies is their ability to squeeze into tight spaces on a virus's protein. He also said they're much easier to produce in a lab than human antibodies. Quote, it's a lot easier to put together, a lot less complicated, and it's smaller. And it can really sort of get into that binding spot quite well, he told CTV News. So there are some real advantages for this particular approach. Uh, Ray Owens, who's the head of protein production at the Rosalind Franklin Institute and lead author of the research, agreed that nanobodies have a number of advantages over human nanobodies. He said, nanobodies have a number of advantages over human antibodies. Um, They're cheaper to produce, and they can be delivered directly into the airways through nebulizers or nasal spray, so can be self-administered at home rather than needing an injection. Cool. Throughout the pandemic, human antibodies have been used to treat serious cases of COVID-19, but they typically need to be administered by IV at the hospital. The nanobodies, on the other hand, can just be shot right up your nose like some cocaine. What if they just started flying crop dusters around and just like crop dusting whole cities with these yeah, nanobodies? No, I think you're, 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 I like this idea. You're negating, you're, you're, uh, there's the, there's the, the Stick inhale, it in the fucking, uh, in the vents. Diffuser. People oh, yeah. don't mind, people don't mind putting a, a nasal spray in, but they do not like chemtrails. Chemtrails. <laughs> they really do not like chemtrails, especially the people that are, like we argued on the show last week, are going to be the, the the net winners of these types of products, <laughs> they really don't like chemtrails. <laughs> They're very anti-chemtrail. Um, but but what I actually did want to say about this in a non-joking fashion is that I know Brian, you and I butted head last last week about the conversation around the 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 butted uh, heads. My God, you want to go again? To pick up the, pieces uh, of skull off the, the floor. Uh, after that. The uh, COVID, the therapeutics. Um, and we but we focused on we focused that conversation focused more on. Yeah. People who uh, people who don't <laughs> people who are choosing not to get the vaccine and how it can supplement for that that population, which I still think is true. And we can have that argument. I, I later. agree with that, too. But yeah. but um, but with something that I didn't that we didn't talk about was the other side of the conversation, which is um, those types of therapeutics <clears throat> in co- and and things like monoclonal antibodies and these antibody treatments that yeah. like the one we're talking about now and pushups and sit-ups with, which will, um, <laughs> which will, which will help people that like that where the vaccine is like ineffective for them. Like, mm. um, like Keith. Yeah. Keith and, um, and I was listening to, I was listening to, um, the CEO of Regeneron this morning. Regeneron makes monoclonal, monoclonal antibodies or they're a, they're a huge manufacturer of monoclonal antibodies. And, 
they were talking about Omicron and how it, the origins of how they think it came about. And they thought that it came about in an immunos, in a single immunocompromised person <coughs> that, um, that struggled with kicking the virus for over 150 days. And so there was, there was like zero antibody antibodies present in this one person. And so, and the, it because allowed they, the virus because they to... couldn't, yeah, because they couldn't kick the disease, it allowed it to stay in their body for a very long time. And that length of time allowed it to mutate. And that's, that's where they think it came from. Mm. And so they had this conversation around, uh, around antibodies, antibody treatments specifically being incredibly important for the immunocompromised population period. Oh, period. Yeah. And they were talking about in the U S how that's like, like a population of something like 10 million people mm. that are immunocompromised and that they re that one of the biggest risks for it's emerging that they think that some of the biggest risks for future variants to come about is in immunocompromised people. And so that these getting them antibodies like ASAP so that they can have the protection and sometimes immunocompromised people, the vaccine isn't, super effective yeah. mm -hmm. for the for the science nerds this uh this infographic here that i brought up this actually explains it quite well so returning to fifi the llama after the animal was injected with a small piece of the virus spike protein its immune system was triggered to fight off the virus protein by generating antibodies against it following this the researchers took a sample of fifi's blood purified four nanobodies from that which were capable of binding to the sars-cov-2 virus then these nanobodies, those four that they, they took, were then engineered in a lab into chains of three, which increased their ability to actually stick and bind to the virus. And the team found that three of the chains were able to neutralize the original variants of the SARS-CoV-2 virus and the alpha variant, while a fourth chain was effective in neutralizing the beta variant. Mm -hmm. And they, they also tested these chains of nanobodies in hamsters infected with COVID-19. The, ro the rodents showed a marked reduction in disease, far less weight loss than those that weren't treated, and had a lower viral load in their lungs and airways after seven days compared to those left untreated. Sweet. Yeah. Okay. So again, like while it's, it's only been tested in animals, uh, Public Health England is said to um, uh, said it was among the most effective so SARS-CoV-2 neutralizing treatments they've ever tested. So cool. Sweet. It'd be interesting, interesting awesome. to see, you know, like, I mean, it, it, the stuff's coming out so fucking quick, it's hard to stay up to date with. It's crazy how many, like at the end of the day, when COVID, however long from now that is, when it's not said and done, but when it's managed, more or less behind us, yeah. it'll be wild to see like how many treatments there are for it in relation to, you know, some other condition yeah. where there's only you know, one or two things that you can do for it yeah. just because it's affected the whole world. And I mean, fuck this Omicron thing is a, is, is a, is a, it's bullish. It's very bullish. And you know, you gotta like, it. You get, get, if you didn't get in, if you're, if you're feeling FOMO on that coin and you didn't get in when you should have, 
I'm feeling bearish. now it's oh not a good God, time. Jeremy's I'm bearish on Omicron. The words bullish. <laughs> wow, dude! Overnight, the guy, guy does five hours of uh, five hours of uh, his of own cri- research, of crypto research, and now he's using bullish. <laughs> uh, if FOMO. Do, do they use FOMO in like in in they legit? Do. do they? They oh, do. Yeah. Funny. Sometimes. Um. So more so uh, as a joking in a joking sense. Here, I got to. Uh, it's it's do actually quite use, serious in the crypto world. <laughs> Do they use YOLOing your money into a stock? <laughs> yeah. As my boys do. My boys, Yo. your boys on 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 WSB. Yeah. Um, Yo, know, I'll be. I uh, I gotta pee. I'll be right back. We're, we'll we'll wrap this up with um, what the hell? But just let me pee. Okay. Um, Yo, know, actually, the guy from the guy from the. He said he said this this morning, and I, and he was saying from from his position as CEO, he was like, he was like, it is it has been incredibly incredible how challenging it has been from a from a company standpoint to get anything done for COVID that isn't a vaccine because everything that you do to try and create something to help with COVID from a therapeutic standpoint is looked at from the government as as detrimental to the vaccine which is insane like like i get it like i get the i get that idea but at the same time like how can you he basically was like the fda is is actively is actively like um disincentivized from from approving See, treatments. Like when we were arguing last week, I I fully agree with everything that you said. It's more of a timing thing for me. And that's why I think the government is also, like the government looks at it that way because they're like, oh, it's fucking, like I don't think the government should look at it that way because I think they should fund yeah. therapeutics. But it's more so like a, <coughs> we just need to get like, the best thing we can do is that we have vaccines right now and we need to encourage people. And I understand that there's going to be people who just never get vaccinated. One of the, one of the things was that they, that, um, if you grant one of the provisions with the FDA is that if something has emergency use authorization, mm-hmm. that comes with a caveat. Like, technically, I feel like it just should be amended because of the circumstances. But one of the one of like the stipulations of of being given emergency use authorization is that there is an absence of treatment. Oh, really? So, like. If they're, so that's why they don't have treatment. So, available. so, so the only, so you, you, I don't know if you noticed this, and this isn't fucking conspiracy talk. The vaccines got full authorization from the FDA, and then it was like Merck has a pill, Pfizer's got a pill, like almost immediately. Mm. Uh, yeah, let's bang this out real quick. Um, all right, <clears throat> ready for this week's edition of what the hell? Wow. Strong. Uh, I really, I don't like this story because it's sad, but I like the story. Because it's sad? And I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> Teenager injected himself with mercury in an attempt to be like X-Men superhero. Oh, oh, fuck. That's bad. Really bad. A teenage boy once injected himself with mercury in an attempt to give himself superpowers. The 15-year-old boy is said to have wanted to emulate Marvel's X-Men superhero mercury but instead, instead ended up with painful ulcers that refused to heal. 
he is also reported to have allowed spiders to bite him in the hopes that he mm. could become like Spider-Man. Wow. Unintended consequences, <laughs> you know? The unusual case was written up in a report in the National Center for Biotechnology Information. There's only one thing we can do now, guys. Ban all superhero movies. Yeah, that's it. That's it. We've yeah. got to protect the kids. Regulation. Is uh, protect the children. They detailed the injuries of the unnamed child was left after he deliberately injected mercury into his body. The report states that the boy visited a trauma center in India with multiple non-healing ulcers on the left forearm two months following trauma by a sharp object. Oh, fuck. Medics suspected that substance abuse may have been a factor, so carried out a psychiatric evaluation. At this stage, the youngster revealed he had intentionally injected himself with mercury. He'd managed to get out of the thermometer at least three times. Dude, I remember growing up, and, and I thought thermometers were super cool. Like, like, I mean, they are like house thermometers and I, and I, you know, getting one and holding one in your hand and watching the temperature go up. And, and I remember my parents always being like, do not fucking break that. Yeah. Because same. Yeah. My parents said that will like, I don't know. My dad probably told me it would kill me. Yeah. Uh, The report goes on to say that the boy was inspired by the Marvel character Mercury from the X-Men comics franchise. Also mentioning a film entitled X-Men Wolverine. Most likely 2009's X-Men Origins Wolverine. <laughs> it, added, it added, interestingly, Idiot. he had past history of multiple Hold on, fights. did you say that or was that in the That's article? That's in the article. Oh, yes. Uh, this, is, uh, this is Lad Bible. Uh, man, let me tell you, Lad Bible's got all the fucking fixings for what the hell. Um, surprisingly, he had no other psychiatric problems and had a normal IQ. Um now aware of what they were dealing with, doctors were able to carry out a toxicology examination to check for mercury levels in his blood. Fortunately, the boy had managed to miss all major blood vessels, meaning he had only injected the mercury just under the skin. Um, but the kid wasn't out of the woods just yet. The ulcers needed to be cut out along with the surrounding skin, uh. and he had to undergo, quote, a split thickness skin graft. Thankfully, following the surgery, he healed well. Uh, the authors of the report say the patient was monitored for signs of mercury poisoning, but in his subsequent checkups was found to be okay. The report states, quote, the patient did not develop clinical signs of chronic poisoning, proving that subcutaneous mercury injections has a low risk of symptom, uh, systematic toxicity. And histopathology plays an important mm. role in diagnosis. That makes sense. So I mean, he he was kind of a he was kind of a human experiment. Um, so would he have died if it got into his blood? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, yeah, maybe. Yeah. I think if he had injected, it probably into high a, chances. Yeah. Now, are you ready for a bonus? What the hell? Always. That on, came man. from this article itself. <laughs> Very similar. And I think you're right, Brian. We might have to ban superhero comics. Three brothers let Black Widow spiders bite them in hopes it will cause superpowers. Wow. Whoa. So three young brothers have been hospitalized after they let venomous Black Widow spiders bite them, believing it would give them superpowers like Spider-Man. The boys, aged 8, 10, and 12, came across the spider while watching over their sheep in the village of uh, Chayanta, Bolivia. Their mother was out, of, uh, out with them, but was off collecting wood when they spotted the spider and came up with the idea of letting it bite them in the hope that it would give them superpowers like Peter Parker in Marvel's Superman comics. Wow. According to local media, the boys poked the spider with a stick to provoke it before it bit them. Man, I like, I, I mean, I'm just they picturing myself. the crucial that. part of <coughs> Spider-Man. 
the spider, it was radioactive. The spider was radioactive. It was being tested and 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 fucked with in a lab. It wasn't just a spider. Now I don't know Chianta very well, but there could be a you know a, a, a there's, power plant there's also near this, their house. There's also the superhero Black Widow that is was just a Black Widow bite, wasn't it? Wasn't it? I don't know. Uh, I don't know how Black Widow. I think she would just she lost her husband and, and was fucking angry. <laughs> Black, Black Widow is Black Widow is uh is uh uh Scarlett Johansson. Scarlett Johansson, right? Yeah, yeah she's just a she's a Russian, she's a Soviet spy, right? Yeah. yeah. Um anyway, the the point is is that I don't remember a point in my life where I believed that the stories from superhero movies or comic books were like 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 for example, uh, ten. I mean, there's eight a, years there's old. A, you, believe, there's, you believe in Santa Claus? There's a eight. lengthy period of time where I believed in Santa Claus, and I can remember yeah. believing yeah. in Santa Claus. There was not a time that I believed that being bit by a radioactive spider would turn me into. Yeah, Spider-Man. you know why? Because when you were, <laughs> you know, there's adults that still believe that there's a man in the sky <laughs> watching their every move. I believe that. You believe that <laughs> there right. are people that think that, or you believe that. I believe that that there's a man in the sky watching her every single move. His, well, his, his but you name don't is believe Mark, that a black widow. His name is Mark Zuckerberg. See, the, the crucial dude. <laughs> yeah. That's really funny. The crucial thing about I'm joking. What you we, said I know there, we have a lot of religious listeners, and we actually love you. And that was a joke. Yeah. It's called comedy. It's called a joke. <laughs> um, the 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 crucial difference is that is that the Santa thing is like your parents reinforce that. Your parents are like, oh yeah, Santa. Blah, blah, blah. I mean. This, this is, is why I have trust this, issues. See, this would this is definitely the fault of the parent. If the parent is like, "Oh, did you read that latest issue of Spider Man?" Because uh, maybe there's something to that. <laughs> and like, if the parent reinforced it, then there you go. Then the, yeah. the, then the kids would think it. But your parents never said, "Hey, all the comic books that you're reading are true." Yeah, right. <laughs> and that you should believe that. That's all they had to say. <laughs> uh, the kids quickly began to suffer severe symptoms from the bites, including muscle pain, stomach cramps, spasms, and, and increased heart rate. Their mother returned from the woods and found the trio <laughs> crying and rushed them to the Chayanta Health Center where they were given medicine, but their condition failed to improve. Oh, no. They were eventually taken to a nearby hospital before being transferred, transferred to a specialist children's hospital in the capital. The head of epidemiology of the health ministry, Virgilio Petro, said the boys were suffering from muscle pain, sweating, fever, and generalized trembling. Fortunately, the boys were given a serum for the bites, and their condition improved over the following days before they were released five days later. Uh, Pietro mentioned the unusual case during a press conference where he warned parents, quote, for children, everything is real. Films are real. Dreams could be real. And they, children are the hopes of our life, are the hope of our life. Uh, black widows are usually not aggressive, but will attack humans if they feel threatened. Their bites are not usually fatal in humans. Oh, interesting. I thought, I that, thought they I thought were... It was like dead. Mm, yeah. Uh, earlier this year, a fellow from Dudley in the West Midlands saw his fingers swell up to the size of sausages after a false widow spider bit him. False widow? I don't know what that is. Andy Mason, who works in a pet shop, was moving some stock around when he was bit. Initially, he thought it was just a splinter, but his, fickly, his finger quickly ballooned up and later popped. Whoa. Wow. Andy had to, be, uh, had to take a trip to A&E, where medics told him he had 
been bitten. The documentary. Yeah, yeah. The the, the production company uh, building uh, because false widow bites cause necrosis of the flesh. Whoa! They, they wanted, wanted to capitalize do- on that. Uh, <laughs> What's a they false wanted to capture <laughs> capture it in the moment. False widow. Hey, and uh, do you need an intervention by any chance as well? <laughs> oh my god, dude! False are you six hundred? Are you? Do you have anybody in your life that's six hundred pounds? Uh, the false widow is a type of spider. The noble false widow. This is a very scary. How much spider. clutter do you have in your house? Yeah. Oh, do you have any orders? <laughs> Dude, look how fucking scary that spider is. Oh, man. Yeah, don't uh, don't fuck with a false widow. Oh, my Lord. Fuck spiders, dude. Fuck them all. Fuck them. I hate them. <laughs> I actually, I've, I've, I've grown quite fond of them. You had the... <sighs> dude. You were an arachnophobe yeah, as was. a kid. I was. Well, folks, that was fun. Uh, thanks for joining us. We love doing this every Friday. And uh, as usual, we're here Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Uh, here on YouTube only on Fridays. So if you want to uh, check out the episode in visual format, <gasps> HD 4K. Wow. It is um, then you can world. go to YouTube and hit subscribe and hit the bell icon so you get notifications every time these videos come up. And can you actually do that? Can you, If you're listening right now, can you actually go to YouTube? Just fucking do it. If you could subscribe to our channel, that'd be super that'd be helpful. really cool. And, uh, and uh, I know a lot of you have uh, already given rating and reviews on Apple Podcasts, but if you haven't done that and that's where you listen to your podcast, you should go do that for us and, and any other podcast we, you do, really. And we will read comedic reviews yeah, on the show. Will. So if you can make mm-hmm. that shit funny, and we'll uh, read it. On Spotify, just hit the follow button. Easy peasy. Um, and yeah, that's it. That's all I got to say. Oh, is that? That's it. It's your turn now, Taylor. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. Taylor, cool. I just want. Do you have anything you want to say? I just Taylor? wanted to be sure that you were passing the ball to me. Do you? Do you have anything? Ball because pass. there was something that you wanted to say here, Taylor. Do you want to say that thing now? Do you want to say that today? Um, if you have ever been bitten by a black widow and you want to tell us about it, then you should do two things. First, letters at sickboypodcast dot com. Send us an email, or. If your finger blew up or any other sort of really negative outcomes from that, uh, then go to sickboypodcast.com slash contact and fill out the guest form. We'll talk to you all about it on the show. Mm. And a huge thank you to all the sick boy sleuths out there. Yeah. A huge thank you to Jeff Lonis, our manager. And a thank you. I bet Jeff is a sleuth. (laughs) <laughs> he is totally 100%. He's an internet sleuth. Yeah. You guys want to join like uh, some reddits where there's uh internet sleuths and just like sleuthy sleuth along with and just, them. and just inject false information <laughs> that into would the be sleuth fun, community. Actually. Um, yeah. And a huge thank you to Rich O'Coin for the theme music to the show. Guys, Omicron's in Canada. Yeah. Well, the ball has been passed back to you, Jeremy. Jared, do you have any, you wanted to say something here. Do you want to say that today? Maybe it isn't. Omicron was detected in Canada two days ago. I saw it. I got a CBC News article too. It's everywhere, guys. It is, yeah. Um, Well, and doesn't really down the hatches, folks. Order your beer. Drink lots, 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 lots. We're going to be locked down again. No, we're not. Uh, This is it. So start drinking. Drink it. If you got it, drink it while you got it. COVID's over. Uh, (laughs) Folks, that is it for this week. I'm Brian. I'm Taylor. And I'm Jeremy. And this is Sick Boy.
For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.